How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Bucks, presented by Brewhoop.com. I'm Frank Madden. I'm joined by Eric Name. And today we have a new sponsor uh, that Eric and I are, are both very excited about. We'll talk I'm actually you. currently wearing. We're, we're, yeah, it's, it's like a bad cliche of a, of a live read type situation, <laughs> but we're actually pretty damn excited about it. Uh, it is Mac Weldon, uh, M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. And we have a promo code for you, which is great because Mac Weldon, uh, they will send you the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, which Eric and I are both wearing, mm-hmm. and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Uh, that's basically the, the point. Mac Weldon's better than, than anything you're wearing right now. And the sweet deal for all of you folks is that we've got a promo code to get you 20% off. L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Basically, that is your key to great deals everywhere on the internet. That was our, our Seeky promo code. It is also our Mac Weldon promo code. So use that at MacWeldon.com. And today, we will actually talk about some basketball, not just hoodies and clothing. <laughs> uh, Basketball-wise, the Milwaukee Bucks, okay, so we're, we're in that dead period where it's been a couple of days since the last preseason game. We're a couple of days away from the next preseason game on Wednesday against the Pacers in someplace random in Indiana, I think. I don't know where the heck it is. Evansville, I, I believe. That. Evansville. Hey, there it's we go. It's a homecoming for Sean Sweeney. <laughs> oh, there you go. You are you, you you don't have that Sean Sweeney post still uh still pinned on, on your your Twitter, but Ooh, I don't. Uh, but it's around. No. It's around somewhere. Um so, what we want to talk about today. So, over the weekend there was this or maybe it was Friday. I don't even know when it was. In the last few days there was that story which we wrote about and everybody wrote about talking uh, about the Milwaukee Bucks' ongoing pursuit of somebody who can shoot and who is a guard, uh, someone who is, if you will, a shooting guard. And the most recent rumor was Ben McLemore of the Sacramento Kings, the former lottery pick who has done very little uh, of note in in Sacramento. Looks like he's becoming be coming off the bench this year. He's going into his restricted free agency summer next summer in 2017, similar to. Michael Carter Williams and the rumor from Mark Stein and I guess uh, others as well is that the Bucks had, co- had called Vlade Divac about Ben McLemore offered Michael Carter Williams and the Kings were, were not interested. So we just want to talk about this briefly. Uh, and I, I still have that little birdie on my shoulder about not being too harsh to Michael Carter Williams. Uh, and I tweeted out something when this rumor happened, sort of doing a quick comp of the numbers that Macklemore, Carter Williams, and also Jeremy Lamb, who's another guy who we've heard uh, discussed as a potential target for the Bucks, uh, kind of comparing those those uh, three guys. And Ben Macklemore does not look good <laughs> in, most, <laughs> yeah. in most statistical comparisons. But Eric Name, he is a shooting guard. He uh, has right. shot three pointers. Certainly much better than MCW. Also true. Uh, 
reasonably respectably. I think he's 34.6% for his career, so basically a little below average. But he looks like he should be able to shoot three-pointers. He yeah. was supposed to do that coming out of college at Kansas. Um, you're Eric Name. You have opinions about basketball. If if you have the ability to make that trade happen on behalf of the Milwaukee Bucks, we know that the Kings are supposedly playing hard to get on this. But if it were up to you, do you take Ben McLemore for Michael Carter-Williams? Ooh, it's brutal. Uh, no. I, I'm... I'm <laughs> so much conviction i'm just i don't know i'm not in a huge hurry to move uh, mcw uh, i do think he has value whether or not uh, the brew hoop community <laughs> thinks so um but i do think mcw has value that contract is uh quite nice for this season and i guess part of it for me is the macklemore trade might be a little bit more exciting because he's on the same d- cycle i guess is michael carter williams where it's just a year left on his deal um i think it's pretty much the exact same money right because they were the same draft class no uh yeah they're both going into restricted free agency right yeah so it's it's pretty much the exact same contract so with mac lamore and i guess for the bucks the big thing is always there's so little cap room for the bucks that it's easier to retain somebody than to go out and get somebody um, so that's always a nice thing with MCW and with Macklemore. Um, so that part of it is nice, but I don't know if, I don't think Macklemore is any good. Um, I haven't really, <laughs> I haven't really any, seen anything that would suggest he is. Um, I, and again, I'm sure all of you are saying, as I say this, well, there's nothing suggesting MCW is any good and fine. Fair enough. That's great. Whatever. But I do think there is. Well, I mean, you know, well, I mean, and it's okay. I realize that people will look back on the MCW Rookie of the Year campaign as, you know, that stats being somewhat hollow. But hey, Ben McLemore, go give me some hollow stats, you know? No, I, I mean, 100% I'm 100% agree. I'm not, I, you know, and that, that's sort of the thing, right? And, and I, I, I guess I'm just it, to the point where I'm so tired of telling people, like, you know what? Michael Carter Williams isn't as terrible as you want to think he is. And then you just get bombarded with people telling you, no, he's terrible. He can't do this. He can't do that. He shoots too much. He dribbles too much. He turns it over too much, blah, 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 blah. And it just gets to a point where I'm, I'm sick of defending it. The, like if you're going to come at me so hard, you can just think he's terrible. And I don't think you're right, but if that's what you want to think, go for it. But it, it's to the point with MCW where it's just like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that they made the Brandon Knight trade and didn't take the Lakers pick. I don't know what more I can tell you. I'm sorry that the Bucks didn't do it. But MCW's on the team now, and let's talk about the value he has and what he can bring to the team. And there are things he can bring to the team. He can fit in with a second unit if he chooses to. Obviously, that's always the big thing. But <laughs> at the same time, there is a role for him on this roster. He can do some things. He can be a solid wing defender. Uh, but he certainly has flaws and all these things. But there is value to Michael Carter-Williams. And there has been good basketball played by Michael Carter-Williams in his career. And with Ben McLemore, I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, McLemore is is tough. Because, you know, it's, it's difficult. Because he's got sort of the things that would make an opposing team's fans like us uh, with the Bucks like him because he plays a position of need. He was a high draft pick, so he still has a little bit of that potential pixie dust floating around him. Oh, yeah. He's athletic, and he 
should be able to shoot three pointers okay, uh, and shouldn't be a t- bad defender. But nothing's kind of happened with any level of consistency. And I, I mean, I know some people are obviously going to say, well, you know, he's stuck in Sacramento, and how can you, you know, really expect him to, you know, function at a high level or reach his full potential uh, with a dysfunctional team like that? Fair enough. But you know, Nick Stauskas stunk in Sacramento. He stunk in Philly. Maybe Philly's the only worst place to <laughs> to have been trying to play your trade. Um, you know, Thomas Robinson stunk in Sacramento and hasn't found a place anywhere else. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I think Macklemore, because of his lack of handle, it, it seems like he has a rep of just having a low basketball IQ. Um, it seems like he kind of, you know, might not have that much ceiling. But if you can shoot three-pointers at a decent rate, if you can defend a little bit, if you have some athleticism. In the modern NBA, I mean, the upside is that those guys tend to get paid. Those guys tend to have a role. Uh, So it's kind of one of those things where I think MCW in a vacuum is a better basketball player. Um, I think numbers make that pretty clear. I think Jeremy Lamb's clearly a better basketball player than than Ben McLemore. Um, But yeah, if you were getting just that option of swapping MCW for, for, for Macklemore, I would understand it, you know, and part yeah. of it is just the emotional sort of wanting to get past <laughs> all the baggage that, that MCW brought with him and has had to deal with, uh, arriving in Milwaukee the way he did. And obviously, uh, things not working out quite the way anybody really wanted for, for MCW and the team. So it's difficult. So we'll see. Um, MCW had, you know, kind of an interesting shot poorly in the first game, but did a bunch of other stuff. Didn't really do much stuff in the second game. Um, watching him and Michael Beasley at the same time share the court uh, could be the end of me. Could give me some ulcers, <laughs> which isn't just MCW's fault because I think he probably has a better claim on a roster spot than Beasley. But uh, anyway, we'll just leave it there. I don't even know if we gave a real answer to that. Our, I guess our answer is the shrug emoji on some level. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, but we'll certainly be interested to see. I think I think it does say something. I mean, as much as Jason Kidd will say that they like Carter, Michael Carter Williams, doesn't seem like anybody really thinks that they are uh, trying to keep him long term. But who knows if they can't move him for for anything of use? Maybe uh, maybe he will be back. Um, maybe even next summer. Maybe he resigns. We kind of talked talked about that before. You're talking about something maybe people don't want, but I guess something you will want is Mac Weldon apparel. It's it's honestly awesome. I was not lying before. I am wearing my Mac Weldon hoodie right now. It is quite comfortable. I'm quite warm. Um, and I'm very excited to wear it in all sorts of different situations. I would argue a grayish hoodie, zip-up hoodie, is like the most, oof, it's one of the most versatile pieces of clothing you could ever have, Frank. Uh, and I wore it to, uh, so we, we had a moment, we were talking before the podcast, uh, we, were, we were comparing notes on what stuff Eric got versus what stuff I got, and we had a very, I don't know if the word embarrassing is a good is the right word, but we had... Cute, maybe? That we were, yeah, it was really <laughs> cute. We had that moment where we realized that we both got the same stuff, basically. We both opted for the hoodie. We thankfully got different colors. So if we showed yeah. up at a Bucks game this year, we would not actually be wearing the same. We would not be, <laughs> be twins. Um, but it is ridiculously comfortable, and I'm used to wearing sort of those like ratty, you know, uh, college oh. athletic, uh, you know, hooded sweatshirts, you know, which are fine if you're you know walking the dog in the morning or something like that but the uh the cool thing about the the mac weldon hoodie is like i i wore it out to like brunch where i had to look 
decent actually like on over a collared exactly. shirt and, yes you know like you can actually kind of wear it to do different stuff so it's uh it's super comfortable it's like a really good like weight um and anyway we're droning on go to the website macweldon.com they believe in smart design premium fabrics and simple shopping oh also easy. i forgot to say one thing i just noticed as i was getting ready for this <laughs> live read um so they have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, I believe is the word, which means they eliminate odor. And I really wish someone would have given me a live read on Mac Weldon before I decided what I wanted, because that sounds awesome. Something that will literally not smell. I'm a bit of a sweater. Uh, so that would have been that would have been good <laughs> for me. Uh, so I, wish I was I- about I was about to say that. I was about to say that we'd gotten through a whole live read not talking about underwear, um, which Mac Walden is renowned for. But on some level, I thought it was good that we were talking about some of the other stuff because <laughs> I feel like My people bad. already know about the underwear. I went um, there. But yes, we we are smelly bloggers and podcasters, so we we <laughs> obviously need that special antimicrobial <laughs> underwear. Anyway, that's the last I'm going to talk about the underwear today. Um, but they want you to be comfortable as well. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear or socks or whatever it is you keep it they will still refund you no questions asked and yeah like we said you can wear it casually you can wear it when you're in your mother's basement blogging about the monkey bucks yeah uh and you can also wear it to work out whatever you want so anyway like we said go to macweldon.com m-a-c-k-w-e-l-d-o-n.com and get 20 percent off using our promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. That's L-O-Bucks. That's your promo code. 20% off at MacWeldon.com. And you can go find out why we were just blathering on and on about uh, hooded sweatshirts. Which, let's be honest, we wouldn't be talking this long if we didn't actually like these sweatshirts. So Correct. I think that was a pretty, pretty legit, pretty legit <laughs> ad. Um, let's go to our next Let's get topic. something else to blather on about. Let's get something else to blather about. Um, so Adam Paris, who has been crushing it, and yeah. like his, he's probably had the most substantive first week to 10 days of anybody who's ever started at brewhoop.com. I'd agree. Uh, and that hurts me to say because I have a big ego. <laughs> Adam had the piece on Rashad Vaughn's defense. He had the piece on Jabari Parker's playmaking. Uh, he then has uh, this piece on Chris Middleton. I guess we published it uh, today on Monday. Uh, you'll, you'll hear this on Tuesday, but he published this on Monday about Chris Middleton and how reliant the Bucks were on him in clutch situations. But I thought it was a really interesting piece because, uh, <laughs> and I love the fact that I, I didn't in, in, insert this myself. Adam included it of his own free will. He included a reference to the Tough Shot Express, uh, copyright Steve Von Horn. <laughs> and it's interesting because Chris Milton on paper is a guy who makes sense as a late game option because he can run pick and roll. He's a great shooter. He can create enough space off the dribble, and he's often being guarded by a slightly smaller guy, so he can get shots off without much room. He was actually a good isolation scorer last year, and yet, despite all that, his clutch numbers were bad. They were very bad. Yeah. Uh, I think they were 36, 36% from the field, 19% on threes. And, you know, it's sort of those things guys are often, you know, guys are almost always worse in clutch situations because the defense is keying on them. There's less ball movement. You know, there's nobody's getting fast break dunks at at the end of games. And by clutch, we're talking about, I think, last five minutes, plus or minus five points, something like that. Um, 
So I don't know. What is your reaction? I mean, I, like when you think about this, okay, so the Bucks were bad in clutch situations with Chris last year. Um, who's taking over this year? Giannis and Jabari, I guess. I, I don't know. Like what were your reactions when you saw the piece initially? I guess it wasn't super surprising because I am a big uh, proponent of the play, all caps, um, which is that uh, wiper action wiper. the Bucks like to use. Uh, so I knew there wasn't a ton of creativity in the playbook uh, in end game situations, uh, to put it kindly, I guess. Uh, so I guess it wasn't surprising, but at the same time, all I could really think about was the fact that watching NBA basketball in end game situations is super frustrating because there's very few teams that still try to run plays at that time. And if you watch the final minute of an NBA game, and I know clutch stats include the final five minutes, but more specifically, I tend to equate that to final minute, last couple of possessions of the game. In those situations, they sort of stop running their normal offense. They stop running any set that kind of goes beyond one or two actions, it's very dumbed down. It's very simplified. And it's pretty much, all right, this is our best score in isolation in pick and roll. Let's get him the ball and let's see what he can do. So the fact that Middleton was the guy that had to do that a lot last year and he wasn't super efficient, wasn't surprising. But at the same time, I remember thinking back to that season and thinking, man, they really put Chris in a no-win situation there. He he had to create something. He had to get it off. And like you said, he's 6'8", so most of the time he's going to be able to get a shot off. And as that makes me start to think about this season, I try to figure out, well, who should be that guy that, that's going to get the, that's gonna be able to get a shot off? And Giannis and Jabari, neither of them should have a problem getting a shot off. And that's great, uh, but at the same time, if... Giannis is is shooting a step back jumper. Do I have a ton of confidence in that shot? Probably not. If Jabari is doing it, do I have a ton of confidence in it going in? Probably not, but I probably have more confidence in Jabari in that situation, just because that's a skill he showcased before. Um, So, so that would kind of be the way I lean, but I know in these situations, you always want to say, well, your best playmaker is X, put it in X's hands and, just go and Giannis would be the best playmaker on the team so I want to say give it to Giannis but it's so rare for that guy to actually make a pass for you to create some sort of offense that is good (laughs) that's effective that part of me is leaning Jabari and give it to Jabari and he'll be able to get a shot off and it's going to be low percentage because they don't really have a ton of great options in that uh, scenario at least yet Uh, those guys are all trying to figure out how to score in those situations Uh, but at least I know Jabari is probably going to get that shot off and as I said I think back to him not getting a shot off and I think that first overtime in Atlanta last year Um, but whatever Jabari that's that's the guy I think where which way are you going I feel like Giannis is the sort of boom bust pick on this. Um, do you remember that play against the Heat where uh, they needed it was in the, I think it was in the final minute and they needed a quick quick bucket and yeah. he took it like 27 feet out, drove to his left and just crammed one down with his left hand. I do uh, so quickly. It was just like happened in like how did flash. that happen? Yeah, yeah. It was. I mean, it was a phenomenal play. Uh, late in the game, lots of pressure to get a quick basket, and he got it. Um, but 
you know, obviously you're not generally going to be able to drive for a dunk uh, in the final minute or in, you know, the late stages of a game. I mean, I think Giannis needs the ball. I mean, again, it's a little different talking about final shot where the odds of a guy passing are much lower. Um, and oftentimes you don't want to do something just because you don't want to overcomplicate stuff in some way. So even though shots in those cases, you know, one-on-one ISO sort of fadeaways or low, low percentage shots, a lot of times, you know, teams don't want to run something overly elaborate because then you, you know, are acquiring more execution, especially for a young team. Um, and I think in those situations, if it's just a final shot type situation, um, I think Jabari makes sense because I know he can get an 18 foot little, you know, step back type play. Like that's just yep. in his DNA being able to get that shot. Maybe not a high percentage shot. Um, I think a guy that, you know, isn't an ISO player, but a guy that if you can run actions for like the wiper play for Mirza Toledovic, I think is the best three point shooter on this team. He's hit some game winning shots uh, in his previous stops in the NBA. I think people may have maybe have seen some of those highlights of him raining down some, some hierarching threes for, I think he had one game winner last year. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're going to have to rely on, you know, if Giannis is your, your, your quote unquote point guard, Eric, um, <laughs> your primary ball handler, then he's going to have to be handling the ball late in games, right? I mean, who else are you going to give the ball to, right? Unless you're going to let Delvadova initiate offense more or something like that. But, you know, ultimately you're not doing that because you want Matthew Delvadova taking a shot. Maybe you get him into a pick and roll action or then you throw the ball to Giannis or Jabari at the, you know, the elbow or something like yeah. that. But, um, but yeah, I think, yeah. Again, the numbers were were not great for Giannis and Jabari either. Um, and I I think the thing is I think Jabari's numbers I want to want to say those were better, but again it's 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 totally different because those guys weren't asked. To, you know Jabari's usage rate was puny in clutch yeah. situations last year, so he was really just kind of you know he he and to a lesser extent Giannis both got to be more opportunistic. Um, yeah. And you know they weren't facing that pressure of hey clear out, you know Jabari's going to have to get a shot or Giannis is going to have to run clock and then get a shot, which is obviously what Middleton had to do. And obviously that was probably a big reason why Middleton's numbers were poor. So <laughs> I don't know how it's going to work out. I, uh, I think the one guy we, the one guy we haven't talked about who was really good in clutch situations uh, was Greg Monroe. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of weird, right? Cause in some ways you think Greg Monroe, man, defensively, you really don't want him in games late. But um, if you have Greg Monroe on this roster, and he's way more effective than any of those other guys. Do you not try to maybe find a way to get Greg Monroe involved? I guess the hard thing with Monroe and really any post player in the clutch is that if you're working off the dribble 20 feet away from the basket, you know you can take a step back and get a shot up, while if you're posting up, that move may take three seconds. Or maybe you feel a guy leaning to your left and you go right and you get a shot up in half a second. And I'm trying to think, they did go to Monroe in the clutch one time last year. Last, I think it was like with 10 seconds left, he got the ball and he scored and it put him up and then they had to get a defensive stand maybe against... Portland I can't remember who it was against um but it happened at some point he had he had the he he had the MCW I believe found him for the game winning shot against the Blazers I want to say okay um but either way if you give it to Monroe there's there's a much larger variance in how long that shot is going to take to get off um and obviously more defenders can kind of bounce down there and try to help out and obviously it's a big that's probably going to be the same height as Greg Monroe and Greg Monroe's game is decidedly under the rim. Uh, so there's obviously the chance that that shot gets blocked. Um, but is the chance of that getting blocked 
worse than a bad fadeaway jumper going in? I don't, I don't know. Um, so uh, it's, it's a great question. I do think the one thing uh, when we were mentioning, okay, well, you're going to give this guy the ball and he's going to take a jumper kind of no matter what it is, or he's going to try to get to the rim. The one thing in those situations is always that if you know that's happening, you take that shot at three or four seconds so that your offensive rebounders can crash hard and have a chance. And I think that's that's one reason why you do see so many of those ISO shots is that that makes it more predictable for everyone else. They're not expecting a pass to come to them. They're expecting to go crash the glass to try to get a dunk, to try to get a tip in, to try to get something there. So part of the reason why it becomes so predictable is that you can get those offense rebounds. But if you give it to Greg Monroe in the middle of the lane, well, that might be a little bit more difficult for a, an aggressive offense rebounder like Jabari to try to go up and get a tip slam or to get just a tip in. And the same thing goes with Giannis, that if you bring so much of that into the lane, it might be more difficult for them uh, to go get that. But yeah, Greg Monroe is certainly, I mean, he's his efficiency might be poor in other situations, um, but in that situation, maybe that poor efficiency sh- really shouldn't change because the difficulty of shots he's taking in a post-up won't change a ton in those situations. Um, So yeah, maybe Greg Monroe. I don't know. It's interesting. Well, I think the the upside with Monroe though is, you know, if you think about it, who's defending Monroe, it's going to be the center. It's probably going to be the best opposing rebounder. And if Greg Monroe is, is backing that guy down and then forcing that guy to challenge a shot, he's not under the basket looking for a rebound. So I actually think, um, from an offensive work, rebounding, yeah, you're right. yeah, so I actually think from an offensive rebounding standpoint, um, shorter shots are also going to be, you know, you're not going to get super, you know, super long rebounds can be more easily be grabbed by the offense. But if you're talking about just trying to get a tip in or something like that, I'd rather be trying to tip in a shot from from close in rather than yeah. a shot from you know a long ways away, which is going to have a a more difficult, you know, it's going to be harder to read and it may have a, a much longer rebound. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think if you've got Greg Monroe, I think the, the question is, is for me, the question wouldn't be so much of, uh, of do you use him? I think, you know, if he's in the game, absolutely. You want to look for him in those late game situations where, when the game slows down, uh, I think the question is just, you know, can you play, you know, do offense for defense substitutions to get him back off the court defensively? And yeah. the Bucks had kind of a mixed bag doing that last year. Sometimes they did it. Sometimes they didn't, um, thinking about the game they lost, uh, in Denver on a, on the last second, I think it was an air ball that Monroe was kind of in no man's land yep. and, you know, somebody else put it, put it in. I think was it Farid or somebody yep. tipped it in. Um, so there were some games like that where he wasn't in other games where the Bucks did sub him out. Um, I think that Blazers game, that, Henson that Blazers game, with Henson, the block. yeah, yeah. Henson blocked that shot. I don't think Monroe was on the court at that point. Um, so yeah, if you can do that, uh, and I, I would definitely be in favor. I think offense for defense is tough. I think, you know, sometimes teams don't want to put in, you know, a shooter, for instance, on offense who hasn't been in the game for, you know, 20 minutes or something like that. And sometimes teams just kind of want to go with the guys who've been out there. But defensively, I mean, if your option is Monroe or Henson or Plumley, you know, anybody, Maker, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I just think it's really hard to justify. I know that the, there's this politics and ego side to it, but come on, man, like Greg, just accept the fact that you're not going to be the best defensive center at the end of a game. I don't know if he cares about that or not, but, yeah. uh, but I think that's something that, that the bucks, if they can get him out of games late, uh, defensively, they should. So anyway, lots of different options. I think 
the bottom line is Giannis and Jabari are going to have to be involved somehow. You know, maybe Jabari is a better option as the final shot taker. But clearly, in the last you know five minutes of close games, Giannis is going to have to be handling the ball yeah. a lot. He's going to have to figure out how he gets to spots on the floor where he either can score from or he can set up other guys to shoot. I think from complimentary guys, uh, Toledovic and Delvadova, those guys are going to have to make shots because they're three-point shooters. Uh, we'll see how much the Bucks try to get maybe those complimentary guys. You know, Does a Jason Terry get clutch minutes next year at times because he can shoot? I don't know. Mm, with, yeah. with, the, with the lack of obvious guys at shooting guard, maybe that happens. Um, that would really help out our jet over-unders, how many times he does the jet celebration. Yeah. Um, and then the other question I think is at center, as we mentioned, Greg Monroe, the most impressive guy statistically in terms of clutch scoring. But again, defensively, do you put yourself at a big disadvantage uh, with him in the game? And is that something that you can live with? Do you play offense for defense, whatever you might do? So anyway, I think that's going to put a bow on our conversation. We talked about MCW. We didn't. Uh, I don't know. I don't think we were that mean to MCW, hopefully. Uh, although for not mean to MCW, then a bunch of people are going to get mad at us. So we really, <laughs> we really can't win there. And we talked a bit about clutch stuff. And as a reminder, MacWeldon.com get twenty percent off you off using our promo code L O B U C K S. Remember, MacWeldon the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies. Yeah, as Eric and I can attest, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. Be sure to check that out and. Uh, I guess thank us later. So anyway, thanks so much. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the Bucks Pacers game from Evansville, Indiana. Thanks so much. (laughs) We'll talk to you tomorrow.